0: hello and welcome to the hail maryland podcast my name is ruin shunker joining me as always is jacob steinberg all right guys uh it's been a long time since maryland played a football game and a lot has changed for me and jacob we're going to have to make some changes to the podcast just because of the workload. Obviously, know it's like finals time coming up. But also, Jacob and I are also adding on another beat to our coverage. I'm going to be covering women's basketball for the Diamondback this year. He's covering men's basketball uh, for WMUC Sports. So we're really busy, to say the least. And so um, we're going to be changing up the podcast just a little bit, not too much. You're still going to get two pods a week and they're still going to be, you know, talking about the X factors, doing the behind enemy lines. They're just going to be a little bit shorter and maybe even like just like a little bit looser, especially the, uh, the post game ones. So Maryland has a great opportunity this week against a really good Indiana team to really establish themselves. Jacob, how are you and what are you thinking about this matchup?
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Just like you, starting to get swamped with a lot, as you said, but definitely excited for this matchup. As you said, Maryland football hasn't played in several weeks and they have a really tough matchup. Indiana has been probably one of the biggest surprises in the country. They have a really good offense, a really good defense. And like you said, it's a great opportunity for Maryland to show if those two back-to-back wins against Minnesota and Penn State were an aberration or this team is going to be able to keep it up. And they're going to be missing a lot of players considering the reason they missed the past two weeks was because of a COVID outbreak. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they come out and play tomorrow.
0: Yeah, we don't, I I mean, as of now, they've not said like any injury report or who might not be available. Right. So to be honest, it's kind of hard to predict when you don't know if say a prominent player might be, out. you know, we don't know anything. That's the, that's the problem. So um, it's not ideal. I'd say Uh, it's not, it's not the best thing. But uh, we will still we're, – we're basically going to preview it as if we think uh, most of the team, at least the biggest names of the team, are going to be able to play. And that's all we can do just because we have no other information. Uh, Jacob, we're going to do our a couple of X-Factors here. My My biggest thing for this game is just – you got to force Michael Panix to – got to make that man uncomfortable, right? Whether that's not letting him get out of the pocket, whether that's bringing a couple of blitzes, you can't let him get into a rhythm. You can't – because he's a young quarterback too, right? So you got to get him rattled and hopefully uh, force a turnover here because you know your offense is going to do that thing, as they've done for the last two weeks, and you know they're going to be sensational. But uh, I think it's just about defensively, like they did against Penn State, just make a couple of plays here and there when the lights are brightest. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I was, in, I'm, I'll go with a different one because I, I agree with you completely. I was going to say making Michael Penix uncomfortable and putting a lot of pressure on him because he is a really good playmaker at the quarterback position is important, but I'll go the other way. I'll, I'll, I'll say Maryland's offense. They got to start fast after a two week absence, the way they were playing before they were playing outstanding. The running game was excellent. Talia was excellent. The offensive line was playing well and they got to, at least if they're not going to score move the ball well on the opening drive to continue that momentum and build some confidence because as we talked about indiana has one of the best defenses in the big 10 and if maryland starts their opening drive and struggles mightily whether they have penalties or they go three and out that could be a tone setter for the rest of the game so they're definitely going to want to come out and start fast on saturday
0: yeah for sure and you know they've kind of done that i mean they've done that for sure in their two wins right Minnesota they came out shot out of a cannon and then kind of fell behind obviously but then what we've seen is that this offense can score in bunches uh, they they when they put up points they tend to go on some runs whether it's because of big plays whether it's just because they sustain drives and I do think that sustaining drives is going to be really important against I mean listen man this Indiana team is a lot better than any of us thought they were going to be coming into the season right I mean did anyone think that they would be within a touchdown of Ohio state? And maybe that says something about Ohio state not being as dominant as we thought, but it also says this Indiana team's really damn good. Yeah, no, it does. And not only
1: are they damn good, but they're resilient too. I mean, Ohio state looked like Ohio state in the first for half sure, 35, seven sure. and they come back and they, they only lose by a touchdown. And I mean, the, the defense made big plays. They have, they have studs on both sides of the ball. I mean, Ty fry Fogle absolutely destroyed Ohio State's secondary last week. And he's been one of the, best receivers in the country to start the season. So I'm really excited to see how he plays. And I'm guessing the guy that we've really said has played well so far is Tarheep still. And I expect Tarheep still right. to kind of match up with him. So that's definitely a matchup I'm looking forward to watching tomorrow as well.
0: Yes. Yeah, still, they might move over cross to give him some help. I mean, still, it was weird in the last game. I thought still would be shadowing Dotson, but he more stuck on a uh, Parker Washington against Penn state, which I thought, I thought, I thought was interesting just because of, Honestly, I thought it was just a weird decision. To be honest with you, but uh, yeah, I think that it's gonna be this game is gonna come down to the secondary and the linebackers because this pass rush is okay at best, and they they, they get they get the coverage sacks, but they don't do much else behind it. And so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be imperative that this uh, Maryland back seven is able to just maybe even, I mean, maybe it's as simple as just bend and don't break, right? Because if you make them kick field goals three of the times, instead of getting touchdowns, your offense is going to pick up the slack. And that's the benefit of having an offense, but you also don't want, I mean, I think it's something you see now with like Russell Wilson, right? You see him throwing some bad picks. And the reason is dude's defense sucks. And so he feels a pressure to do, you know, that much more. And that makes him sometimes force some things. And that's something that I kind of worry about sometimes with Talia uh, having to, you know, uh, having to just put so much of the scoring load on himself, I worry about him just doing too much at times, like he did at the in the Northwestern game. And he's thrown uh, picks; he's thrown what like four picks so far this year, still. So it's not ideal. And I think tr- the turnover battle is another thing that, obviously, maybe the number one thing for Maryland.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, unequivocally, Indiana is by far, at least in my opinion, I'm sure you'd agree, the best offense that Maryland's defense is going to face the remainder of the year. So like I said, even though it's a couple-week hiatus, if they're able to kind of limit the success and limit the explosiveness of this Indiana team, even if they do lose, that's definitely an encouraging sign moving forward because Rutgers' offense is much improved. It's still not at the level of Indiana's and Michigan's offense. Well, Michigan's whole team has looked terrible, but their offense has looked pretty bad as well. So it's definitely going to be an intriguing matchup and I'm really excited to see how Maryland's defense responds, especially because like we said earlier, we don't know if they could potentially be missing any key guys on that defense.
0: Yeah. And without that, we really don't have much else to preview. Jacob, you got any last thoughts about this game? No, I was going to say, if we wanted to throw out
1: a score prediction for each of us, I'm just kind of contemplating in my mind. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to
0: say, <sighs> thinking I'm thinking about I'm a, a score say, predictions of the past. Uh, that's a, That's a dangerous I'm, proposition.
1: I'm, yeah, that's true. But I'm going to, I'm going to say that uh Indiana, they they do they or maryland rather does not cover i'm going to say that indiana wow. wins 42 to 24 i think it's going to be a close game for the first half and i think indiana is going to use their talent and explosiveness to capitalize on a couple late touchdowns and kind of pull away but i think that maryland's going to have a strong performance in the first half and show out at the beginning of the game but i think indiana's talent is just going to prove too much as the second half progresses
0: i'm going to say with the assumption that most of the offensive weapons are going to play, I'll say 37-31 Indiana. I think it's going to be a shootout, and I think that Maryland's just going to come a little bit short. So uh, we talked to Evan Gurkey who covers Indiana, and he had some really great insights about this team and really just what they're building up there uh, in the Hoosier State. And so it was a really good conversation, and so we'll go to that now. Until next time, this is the Hail Maryland Podcast. All right, we're joined now by Evan Gerke, football beat reporter at the Indiana Daily Student. Evan, how are you, man? Doing good. How are you? You know, hanging in there, you know, as everyone is. Uh, so we, let, let's just get right to it. You cover Indiana. One of the biggest surprises in all of college football this season. When did you first start to think this Indiana team might, you know, might outpace expectations that everyone else had for them?
2: It kind of started last season as they made the bowl game for, you know, one of the first times in a few years, they have not had a great, you know, program history. IU has the most losses among all college football teams. Um, The real moment this season where you could tell something was going to be different was that final play against Penn state where Michael Pendix dove into the pylon and, you know, they, they called it good. Um, Whether or not you think he actually made it or not, it counted and they won that game their first win versus a top 10 team since 1987. And that really showed there were expectations in Bloomington. Tom Allen holds his program in high esteem, Um, but that really showed that this team can actually compete this season.
1: And I'm glad you brought up Tom Allen because I wanted to talk a little bit about him. I mean, for people outside the program that don't necessarily know him as well, he's always very energetic and charismatic on the sideline, which has been a key theme. So has it kind of surprised you how much the team has kind of become an embodiment of him as in years past when Indiana was successful, but not as successful as they've been so far this year.
2: Uh, it's definitely all on Tom Allen. They are 100% bought into this program, into the dream that Tom Allen has sold them. Um, his motto, LEO love each other. He lives it every day. And you can tell in his press conferences that when he's talking about that, he genuinely means it. And he genuinely believes that this IU program can become you know a perennial contender in the Big Ten, which is something that for most people who are familiar with IU football is an insane thought. Um, when IU played Michigan and Devon Matthews came up with a big interception that pretty much ended up sealing the game, Tom Allen went and basically tackled him in the middle of the field, got a huge gash on the side of his face. Um, and that's that's something that's normal for him. There is a whole thing about you know, he's lost teeth, he's uh had to get a root canal. He, Got that gash on his face. He's that passionate about his program. And when you have a coach that's that passionate and you can get players to buy into what he's selling, uh, eventually something like this is gonna happen that you're seeing with IU where good players wanna come here and play for this program and this program is becoming uh you know a top twenty-five team.
0: Let's talk about one of those really good players, Michael Panix Jr., he's exploded onto the seed. I don't know that many people, I mean, I, I didn't expect this from him, but what's allowed him to be so effective this year? And what are some things that Maryland can do to reduce his impact, you know, just from watching him? Is there any holes in his game that Maryland can really exploit?
2: Yeah, he he came out of nowhere on a national stage, but I think people within the Indiana um, realm, the fandom, I guess you could say, um, kind of knew that this might be coming. Uh, last season, Peyton Ramsey, who's at Northwestern now, was our main quarterback, but... Uh, Pennix actually beat him out for a starting role until he got injured, I believe against Penn state early on in the season Uh, that took him out for the season. And he wasn't able to kind of have the same impact that he said this year. So what he's been doing is not necessarily unexpected, maybe a little bit um, more than people were expecting out of him. He threw for 491 yards against Ohio state, you know, a program that is full of defensive players that are going to go to the NFL. And, that really kind of put him on the national stage because people have seen how well he can perform against teams like that. Um, But he, he definitely, he does have some holes. Um, His completion rates haven't been maybe as high as people would want them, but he is a very intelligent quarterback and he will stay in the pocket and go through all of his reads until he finds someone. He has so many targets that, that is really the secret is to manage to limit if you can limit all of those targets, um, you're going to really have a tough time for IU for winning that game. But the issue is because there are so many targets, he could, you know, if he doesn't find it his first or second, he can go to his third or fourth and still turn out a big play.
1: And continuing on the theme of the offense, another guy that I want to ask you about is Ty Fryfogle, who's obviously developed into one of not only the best receivers in the Big Ten, but the best receivers in the nation. So entering this year, did you and a lot of people around IU have large expectations for him and expect him to make a big jump, or has it surprised you how well he's played so far this season?
2: Yeah, I can't speak for other people, but for me it's definitely been a surprise to see how well he's performed. Um, And maybe this is because he wasn't necessarily Ramsey's favorite target last season. But uh, Watt Fillier was the kind of the guy I expected to be that number one receiver, turning in 150 200 yards. Um, it turned out to be Fry Fogle, uh, even though Watt had I think he had over 100. I think in the first couple games. But he's you know he's the balls he catches are actually almost insane sometimes, I and mean, he goes up he gets things that he shouldn't make. Um, he's available whenever Hennick seems to need a big play, and his ability to go in, make those catches. I think they're, uh, I think Ty, or um. sorry, Wat Floor just said that they call him jump ball because he goes up and kind of makes those plays. And that's that's been, it surprised me. I didn't see it coming, but he's definitely turned into a very nice surprise. And like you said, he's almost a national contender for one of the best receivers in the country.
0: Yeah, he's obviously, you know, a superstar. And we've been talking a lot about the stars so far, but who's... An under-the-radar player that Maryland fans may not know, and you know, after the game, they might be saying, man, we let so-and-so beat us?
2: Offensively or defensively?
0: Either one. Both. Neither. Special
2: teams? Under. I'll stick with um, the offense here. Uh, probably Miles Marshall. He's probably Penix's fourth target. Um, if you go down the order, it's Fry Vogel, and Fillier, and then Peyton Hendershot, the tight end. And then Miles Marshall is kind of that fourth guy. Uh, but he's been turning in huge performances. He missed a couple games after a, a bad hit to the head, but he had, I think, a 63-yard reception last week. He's had a few touchdowns. He had a touchdown against Michigan and the first drive that he returned. Um, another one of those guys where you know, if you're double teaming Ty Freifogel and you're guarding tight on Watt Fillier, uh Fillier, then he can just turn and look to his fourth guy. And that that says a lot about the program, about how good our receivers have been, that he can look to someone else. And even if, you know, a guy like Miles Marshall isn't having a day, you've got David Ellis, who's a a true sophomore, probably the fifth or sixth guy you might look to. He had a 51-yard reception last week. There's a a ton of uh, receivers in that core that can really make plays that Pendix is entirely comfortable going to. And then transitioning from the offense,
1: I want to talk a little bit about the defense because they've been excellent as well. So for you, which aspect of the defense has impressed you more their ability to put pressure consistently on quarterbacks or the amount of turnovers that
2: they've forced so far this season? Uh, I think turnovers Um, they have been putting pressure. They put fantastic pressure against Justin Fields last week. They had five sacks along with uh, Tom Allen said they had eight missed opportunities to sack him and that's with someone like Justin Fields, who is a very good scrambler can make his way out of the pocket when he's in trouble, but their ability to turn over to force turnovers has been exceptional this year. They're at the top of the nation. And I think they have 13 interceptions, which might be tied for first in the nation. They have um the fantastic safeties and cornerbacks that seem to be wherever the ball is. And they're always making plays guys like Jamar Johnson, um, who it seems like every time there's a you know a deep route, someone's there to either break the pass up or force an interception. Uh, against Ohio State last week, there was a play. It was tipped up in the air, kind of a tip drill. And Jerome Johnson, who was a defensive lineman, ran about 20 yards to make an interception. And that says a lot about this team's ability to force turnovers when your linemen are uh, getting interceptions.
0: You know, I am curious about this team because... Obviously, at the beginning of the year, they were underranked and underrated by many. And now at this point, they're ranked extremely high and nearly beat one of the best teams in the nation in Ohio State. Do you think at this point that they're still a bit underrated, or do you think that this is about where they are in the country? I think they're 11th now.
2: Uh, yeah, they're 12th. Um, they're actually all three 12th. polls. They're 12th in AP, coaches poll, and then last night with the college football playoff poll coming out, they were ranked 12th as well. I think it's kind of hard to say if they're ranked properly or overrated or underrated just because of the competition in the big 10 this year, um, obviously beating number eight Penn state in the first week of the season at the time was a fantastic win. Now you look at it, Penn state's 0 and five and it's maybe not as good of a win anymore, but I think uh, one thing a lot of people in IU would say is that there's too much um, kind of bias against them, not being a traditional powerhouse. If you look at the college football playoff rankings yesterday, you have a team like Georgia who's lost bad twice is number nine and a team like IU who's only lost to one of the best teams in the country in a close game uh, is number 12 or, you know, BYU even is number 14 and many people think they should have been ranked a lot higher Uh, being in that kind of 10 to 12 rank is probably about where they belong. And I think they've proved that, especially with their performance against Ohio state. A lot of people thought that, number nine in the country was too high before that game. but They came in and played very well and kind of earned that ranking. So I think sitting in that 10 to 12 range, especially for this year, uh, Tom Allen can't be too upset about that. And that's probably right about where they belong.
1: And speaking of their ranking and their performance, like you said, a lot of people were pleasantly surprised with their win against Penn State week one. And obviously Penn State has underwhelmed the past couple of weeks. So last week against Ohio State, being down as much as 28 points and coming nearly all the way back to only lose by a touchdown. I saw the uh, video that Indiana football put out on Twitter of Tom Allen in the locker room talking about how much better they can play and how much he loves those guys. So what did you learn about the team last week, if anything, or did it kind of reaffirm what you already thought about them this year?
2: A bit of both. It reaffirmed the fact that this is a different Indiana football team. Um, You could kind of see it after they beat Penn State, after they beat Michigan for the first time since 1987. Um, We haven't beat Ohio State since 80. I think it's also 1987. Um, Even though they didn't win that game, though, it shows that they're not uh, the same team that would probably have laid down and died in the past. And Penix and Tom Allen talked about that a lot uh, after the game and the week leading up to this game against Maryland, that there's something different about this team. And it it they showed it when they came out down 28 points. And instead of kind of giving up, they fought back and showed that they actually are a good team and a team that can compete against a team like Ohio State. They had a lot of mistakes, uh, fumbles. They had an interception that they ended up fumbling and giving back to Ohio State, um, not converting on place they should, not converting in the red zone as much as they have all season. And if a few of those go the way, go IU's way, we might be talking about an Indiana team that's ranked top five in the nation that's seriously contending for a college football playoff spot.
0: You did talk about a little bit of their miscues and the mistake mistakes there. Um, Maryland's going to come in obviously as like a pretty big underdog. Do you think that they like what's the weakness of this Indiana team that they really need to exploit if they're going to have a chance at pulling off the upset?
2: I would say hmm, that's kind of a tough question. Let me think about that for a second. Um, I think it's very possible that just in general, Indiana can underestimate this Maryland team that they haven't seen as much as they maybe would have liked to, by this point in the season, they need to, if Maryland wants to win, they need to attack on deep or on offense and kind of break up that pattern of interceptions and turnovers. That's been one of the driving forces for IU this season is being able to force turnovers and get points off turnovers. They have 53 on the year, and even without being able to convert on four turnovers against Ohio State. So being able to, um, whatever their offensive play calling is, to kind of keep those safeties and cornerbacks away from making big plays and move the ball down the field steadily and keep control of possession, that is probably their best chance to – keep the ball away from Michael panics and keep him from doing the things he's been doing to put IU, um, over the top and continue this, the season they're having.
1: If there's one matchup that you're most looking forward to seeing on Friday, whether it's an individual matchup or on Saturday, excuse me, whether it's an individual matchup or a
2: unit matchup, which, uh, foes are you looking forward to watching most? Um, I'm looking forward to just watching Tagovailoa. Um, and I think it's Talia. that's the you pronunciation there. That was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I, I was like, I don't want to say the first name because I'm not entirely sure. Um, Talia.
0: We had a listener come and correct us. Talia. Talia?
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, everyone calls him Tua's brother. My roommates and I joked watching Marilyn that it seemed like they said Tua's brother more than they actually just said his name. But he's a good quarterback. You can see that in the few games he's played. And I think him against iu's defense is going to be a real exciting matchup to see um who can come out
0: on top do you have a prediction for how this game is going to go
2: i think um iu is going to continue doing what they have all season uh letting michael penix run their offense and staying solid on defense with guys i mean we haven't even talked about guys like micah mcfadden who in the linebacker position who has been absolutely incredible this year and stopping the run game um they're I think they gave up 13 yards rushing against Michigan. They gave up uh, 90 against Rutgers, I believe. Um, they've been very good at stuff like that. So I think as long as they can, can continue that trend, um, this game's going to go the way IU wants it to go and the way that things have been going on for all this season. If I had to predict a score, I think I would say um, 35-24.
0: All right. Uh, basically, every single guest we've had has been way off with the predictions they've given first week. I mean, same for me and Jacob. Jacob and I have been uh, horrible with our predictions, but we're hoping to do better this week. Thank you so much, Evan. Where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find your work? Uh,
2: my Twitter is just my name at Evan Gerike G-E-R-I-K-E. Um, if you want to read my work, it is at Indiana Student or sorry, Indiana Daily Student at IDSnews.com. dot com. Uh, We do midweek stuff, except this week we're off for Thanksgiving. But um, I'll have a recap after the game, and um, me and my other beat reporters are going to be working to get that stuff out.
0: All right. Uh, He's Jacob Steinberg. I'm Rune Trunker. Please rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We'll most likely be back probably this Sunday after uh, talking about this uh, Maryland-Indiana game. Until then, this is the Hail Maryland podcast.